Uh, I'm a big fan of Derek Whitehead um, from Duke. His immediate role in the NBA is obvious. Um, he's a ridiculous shooter. Um, he's got a sweet release, can shoot off movement and off of balance. Um, he was pretty much the only true floor spaker, spacer that Duke had this year. Noah Clowney, um, 6'10", reported 7'2", wingspan freshman from Alabama. Uh, his speed and explosiveness are very impressive for a 6'10 guy at his age. If I was the Kings, I'd, I'd probably want to take that gamble on him in the first round. Like, I know that his brother conditioned us to expect insane efficiencies and insane stat lines, but like, those are impressive stats for a controlled player. And, you know, at 6'9", I think he's as versatile or more versatile than anybody that we've talked about in this Kings range. Hey, welcome to Sports Ethos Sacramento Kings podcast. It's Daily, and I'm joined by the OG, my co-pilot, Jill. And our guest today is writer and draft analyst for the Kings Herald, Bryant West. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Bryant, before we get into the draft talk, I want to know, right now is probably the busiest time for you. How are you managing a decent work-life balance during the draft season? What's a decent work-life balance <laughs> that doesn't exist in the month of June, especially not when uh, when my brain just wants to go play Legend of Zelda right now. What in your mind uh, are the King's needs? Uh, you know, honestly, I can look at, I, I think this draft is so flat in the King's range. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think you could probably make a case for 20 or so guys when the Kings come up to pick. and. And I'll ask you both this question because you guys spend as much time, if not more time than I do looking at this Kings roster. Is there a single position on this Kings team that you don't think they could add more depth to? No, I think we could add depth, uh, maybe two through five. Jill. Yeah. Yeah. I would think anyone that um, knows me. Yeah. I, I'm all, I always say you can never have too much. Um, you never know what's going to happen during a season. Um, and if you can shore up one through 15 and have it be legitimate depth, it's only making them better. We know they practice like crazy and, um, it allows you to get through, um, any turbulence you might have during a season as well, just for things out of your control. Yeah. For me, I always will prefer to see a team bolster their depth at the forward and wing positions. Maybe that's just, um, you know, my fear of watching a Kings team that drafted two small forwards in like the entire 16 year playoff drought. Um, So it will always be, you know, uh, just a natural fear instinct. If me, are the Kings going to have enough small forwards? Are the Kings going to have enough small forwards? Um, But if Kings go in and they draft a, another playmaking guard, heck, I, I think they could use more depth there. They go and get a big man. Heck, we know they could use more depth there. So um, I think that this is a good draft to have a, a mid-20s pick in. And there's really a lot of different ways that Monty McNair and his front office can go here. 
So I sidestepped into Bryant's DMs last night, and I wanted to do something a little different. I feel like you could go to any podcast talking about the draft, and everyone's just dialing off names and talking about uh, these prospects' attributes and whatnot. But I really want to know who are the realistic picks. Who's most likely going to go to the Kings, considering Monty McNair has a type and Bryant what do you think Monty McNair's type is considering the last three drafts? Well, I appreciate your framing on this question because if you had just asked me who are they, who is he going to pick, I have no. Uh, I think the common factor across his first-round players is that they were all high-instinct players who had you know, clear, immediate NBA roles in some way or another. That's not to say that he wouldn't take guys who are expanding their game. I mean, we just have to look at Keegan from last year uh his role really did evolve as the year went on and i think that's you know the case for pretty much any player that can take a 24 but it's that type of guy here's what we know they can do right now here's what they can do in time but i think that's alluring to monty and his team because they can see what role they fit into immediately as they expand the rest of their game so brian go for it who do you like at 24 that you think money will pick who I think Monty will pick. Well, again, I, I, I've given up all, to, uh, all, all efforts on trying to predict who he would pick. That said, there are some guys I think should be in that conversation for him, given his draft history. Um, this is no surprise to Jill. We've talked about him a lot. My, my, one of my favorites to watch in this draft class is C.D. Sissoko from the G League Ignite. Uh, I'll say Yay. his immediate value would be as a perimeter switchable defensive specialist who can also attack and transition, hopefully space the floor uh, and play make and take advantage of mismatches. Um, six, seven, 223 pounds is intersection of strength and speed. Let him guard a range of opponents for ignite. Uh, you just don't see many 19 year olds who play in a league of grown men have his level of physicality and defensive determination. Um, his aggression can get the best of him. I bet he'll struggle with fouls early, uh, which may be a reason why, you know, he's not ready for the role that I'm talking about, but his defensive instincts and potential versatility, they're, they're more than just high words for him. Can you expand more on his playmaking skills? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, apparently he played a lot of point guard in Spain and that really shows in his game because you know, he was playing a team with like Scoot Henderson, Leonard Miller, and uh, some veteran guards. Pooh Jetter was one of them. And naturally, that would make him, you know, he's a fourth option most of the time on the court. And yet, he still averaged, I think it was like 3.2 assists per game and, and an absurd assist rate to usage rate. His playmaking chops for a role player are it, it, very, very strong. Um, which to me is, is a, a real selling point because the big question that everybody's going to have is his jump shot. It's, it's pretty much the end-all question for him. But for a guy who shot 31.4% from three last year, I don't know that that lack of guaranteed jump shot is going to be the same issue for him as it would be for some of the other debatable shooters in this class thanks to that playmaking. Because even if teams try to put their worst defenders on him, He's going to punish mismatches with his size, and if he starts running a, you know, a pick and roll 
he, he's going to be able to get it to the big man or skip it over the corner. He, he's pretty much got every pass you want to see in the book. Are they always as smooth as, you know, a natural uh, point guard? No, but he's electric with the ball in his hands. Uh, and, and I really think his playmaking is probably the most underappreciated part of his game. I will say one thing I've appreciated about him too, at least listening to his interviews is he knows what he is and like what he doesn't have yet. And a lot of times with young guys, you won't get them being honest about what their kind of weaknesses are or what they know that they still need to work on, you know, to get to those next steps or they kind of have egos where they think they're already there, but they're not there yet. Um, and I love that he's like, he compares it to like a Jimmy Butler, like Jimmy Butler's mm -hmm. name wasn't the Jimmy Butler it is now. And he's like, he came in that was, if I'm going to get minutes, if I'm going to develop, like I'm defense first and the other stuff will come along, but I know I can at least contribute this way while I work my ass off to, to get here. And his big thing is his dad played professionally in Europe and he wants to be better than his dad. Like that's his goal is to like, to make his family and his dad proud and to like, you know, get past what he was. And he just seems like he has a really good work ethic, um, you know, and everything that I've heard from Pete, you know, Pete, the trainer that we love um, speaks nothing but highly of him, but he just seems like he know, like I like him that he's so young, but he knows who he is. Yeah. And if, if I could recommend anybody who wants to see some of his tape in the last couple of days before the draft, uh, go look at his game against Memphis Hustle. I think they played two of them. So go just go to my profile piece on the Kings Herald. I've linked it in there. It's a really good indicator of his defensive value. Um, Memphis's G League team, the Hustle, they rostered Zaire Williamson in that Zaire, Zaire Williams in that game, Jake Laravia and Kenny Lofton Jr. And CD guarded all of them over the course of that game. So I think that was that was a, a contest that really showed his value as a defensive switch guy and, and just how big he is. Because you know, for six seven dude to be guarding Kenny Lofton, that's that's pretty dang impressive. And I think uh the maturity is there. He already has a year under his belt as far as being a professional basketball player in America. Yes. So I think that should be noted. Um, Brian, who else do you have? Uh, I'm a big fan of Derek Whitehead um, from Duke. His immediate role in the NBA is obvious. Um, he's a ridiculous shooter. Shot 42.9% from three on 98 attempts on the season. Uh, he was shot 44.3% on all catch and shoot shots. Um, he's got a sweet release, can shoot off movement and off of balance. Um, he was pretty much the only true floor spaker, spacer that Duke had this year, and he did a really good job of moving off the ball. I think his offensive role is obvious, and for that reason, he's a pretty safe pick if you need spacing, which I think we can always say the Kings need. Um, to me, the rest of his game is a bigger question mark, and that's both a concern and and you know, kind of promising because we're talking about him at 24. Um, he had a foot injury uh, last August while he and Duke were preparing for the season, uh, had surgery on it, wasn't really right for quite a lot of the season. Um, then come about a month ago, his camp came out and said he needed second surgery to repair um, the first one that never healed right. And that kind of for people who watched his high school tape, and I'm not going to pretend that I did, 
that was kind of a, okay, that explains some things because when he was at Montverde Academy, he was this three level score, got to the basket, was a ridiculous above the rim athlete. And he was a lot more grounded at Duke this year. Um, so there's hope that, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor. I'm not going to pretend I've seen his foot evaluation, but if he gets any of that athleticism back, suddenly we're talking about a three-level scorer who you know for a fact is going to be a high-level shooter. And to me, that could be exceptional value in the mid-20s because a year ago, he was a lottery pick. Do you think it's possible he could drop to 24? I've seen him mocked all the way in, in the 10s. What do you think? Yeah, I I, I think this year, as many as much as any year, mock draft variance is just all over the place. Um, I think that some team in the late lottery or the mid teens could say, Oh yeah, I want to take one of the best shooters in the draft at six, six. I think teams could look at a whole bunch of other talented options around him and think, I don't really want to gamble on a guy who has needed two foot surgeries in the last uh, year. So I think there's a real chance he's there 24. Um, And to me, He's he he he's a smart player. He knows his role. He's a great shooter, and those are all things that uh, Monty McNair has valued in the past. Uh, this won't be a surprise to anybody who's uh, been reading my draft coverage over the last couple of months. I'm a big fan of uh, Trace Jackson Davis, six uh, nine big from Indiana, um, averaged twenty point nine points, ten point nine rebounds, two point nine blocks, and four assists per game. Um, was one of the best players in the country in the last couple of years, but took it to a different level this year. Uh, I think he's a smart, high instinct player who, I mean, clearly he did a ton of things well in college. And I think he'd be a boon off the bench for Sacramento Um, profiles as a a strong pick and roll rim running big man who can create mismatches uh, and excel in transition. Um, He's going to have to adjust his offensive role from the last year at Indiana uh, like I think it was 36% of his offense last year came in the post up. That's not going to continue in the NBA, but he's got a great tool set, great driving and handling ability for a big man. I think Monty and company could look at that and see that he's one of the better big man playmakers in this draft and in recent drafts, honestly. Um, and, and say, Hey, what can't he do that? We asked Metu to do last year. Uh, and, uh, to me, he he seems like a, an excellent bet if you're looking for a small ball five. One hundred percent. And I, I will say his will to get better is is off the charts. Just seeing him in league play this year compared to how he was last year, totally different player. He totally improved his game. So that, that's what I'm impressed by him most. Yeah, yeah. He he took on so much more of an offensive responsibility and upped every part of his game. Well averaging four assists per game like it how crazy is it that we're talking about the primary score rebounder shot blocker and assist man uh for you know a a really good indiana team i think uh the last guy i wanted to talk about in in this kind of monty wheelhouse would be livier maxin maxin prosper from marquette um based on how i stumbled over his name I, i i can admit that you know i hadn't paid a ton of attention to him uh before his recent meteoric jump um, in in recent mock drafts and from uh, experts, uh, but you know, watching him over the last couple of days, um, 
watching him guard Colby Jones in the Xavier Marquette games. Um, and then going back and like, he, he was the primary defender on Colby Jones, Jordan Hawkins from, uh, UN, uh, from UConn, uh, Cam Whitmore at Villanova. His, his ability to shadow guys, especially movement scores and shooters, that is just really impressive for a player at his size. He's so tenacious on defense. He's quicker than quite a lot of players at his size, and that combo gives him big defensive range at the next level as he fills out. Um, seriously, if you want to just see how he handles the defensive role, go watch the Marquette-UConn game in uh, the conference tournament. Marquette won in no small part to the fact that he was just hovering over Jordan Hawkins all game long, despite the fact that, you know, Hawkins is, is quick and an excellent off the ball mover. Um, so the defense is there. Um, my question for any team that's going to snag him in the first round is what their plan is for him on offense, because in transition, in a high paced offense uh, on cleanup plays like, that's an easy sell because he's a guy who fights hard. He's quick to go up and down the court. Um, but the half court offense is where my question marks for him come up. Um, shot just 33.9% from deep, 33.6% on catch and shoot shots. Teams apparently think he's been shooting a lot better than that in uh, over the combine and in workouts. Um, but if that shot doesn't transfer, what's his role in a set offense? Um his role on defense is obvious, but to me, like it, unless, you know, he improves his handle or really becomes a better shooter. Like I'm not sure what he does in the half court besides being an energy guy. And maybe that's enough at 24 if you really like his defense. But um, to me, that's where I'd favor CD Sissoko over him. Well, shout out to the Pacers media team. They have a, a an incredible series of workout interviews draft workout interviews and and he has one on there and he's delightful uh, apparently he's good friends with uh benedict matherin they go back since they were little kids and uh, selfishly i kind of want them to the paces to draft him just so i could see them just vibe off each other i think that'd be fun but um yeah no he looks promising for sure that's cool i always like seeing uh college and high school friends get to play with each other i mean like we just that was one of the best stories in the nba this year was fox and monk reuniting right yeah absolutely um yeah and it was they both grew up in i think it was in montreal i think was um their city and so he was saying how his first language is actually french and not english even though he speaks it very well and then he had said he's learning like two other languages so um yeah, it's and it. I believe it was his parents both played as well, and so he comes from a, a family of, of basketball. And he's another one who's trying to take. You know, we see so many Canadian guys now coming in; it's becoming you know more normal. And so he's another one that's really trying to bring, um, different parts of Canada now into it. Yeah, he seems like a smart bet for some. Um smart team that needs defense to, to gamble on. And Lord knows that's that fit Sacramento to a T. 100%. So we talked about people who are probable Monty types. Who do you think are long shots for the Kings that you really like, but are probably not quote unquote Monty's type. Yeah. Uh, this is tough. Cause I, I really like both these guys. These are two, two of my, um, two guys I've really watched Noah Clowney um, 6'10 reported 
a seven, two wingspan freshman from Alabama. Um, I love him. I think he's got tremendous two way upside. Uh, if he hits that ceiling, he could be, you know, great stretch, big man who also protects the rim. Uh, his speed and explosiveness are very impressive for a six ten guy at his age. Um, and, and I do think his role at Alabama last year, uh, what Nate Oates asked him to do is probably what NBA teams will ask him to do. Like he told them, go space the floor, keep shooting it. Even if they're not going switch between guarding the perimeter and, and guarding bigs. Um, you know, I, I really think that is something every NBA team is going to do and to, you know, try to figure out what this raw young guy can do on both ends. The problem is, is that everything I just said is a question mark. Um, his shooting strokes pretty, but he shot just 28% from three. Um, he was good scoring around the basket. I think he had like 67% success at the rim last year. But I mean, we're talking about a, a 19, 18 year old kid who's 210 pounds at 6'10. Um, and on defense, like he had great highlights, both protecting the rim and switching on to smaller players, but he had just as many low lights where he'd get blasted by an SEC guard. To me, the fact that he has so many swing skills is why I would be really surprised if the Kings took him. Um, I'm just, we're not sure what he's really good at yet. Um, and he could really be good. If I was the Kings, I'd, I'd probably want to take that gamble on him in the first round. But if they pass on him, I bet it will be because unless he takes a massive step forward this year in multiple skills, it, it might be hard to point at any one thing that will keep him on the court. And who knows? I mean, there's so much movement in this draft. He might be available in the yeah. second round. So it's possible. Yeah. The other guy uh, I'll mention is uh, Maxwell Lewis. Um, on one hand, his, his role is kind of obvious. Like he's a floor spacer, like I was talking about with Tariq Whitehead. Um, I also want to emphasize, like he, he for a guy who everybody was like, why, why doesn't he drive to the basketball? He's taking way too many contested jumpers. He, he really improved. Or, or proved his driving ability later in the season. I think he had like four impressive drive against Gonzaga late in WCC play. Um, but more so than White um, and some of the other shooters in this class, I think he's got to prove that he can be part of an efficient offense. Um, Pepperdine was a mess at both ends of the court. And he was pretty much the de facto creator, had a near 30% usage rate. Um, and while... Ideally, I think that his offense scales down. It's not a sure thing. He needs to improve as a playmaker. Um, he needs to know when to keep the offense moving. Um, that's going to be a work in progress. His defense is also a massive question mark to me. He's got the tools, but was so inconsistent on that end. Um, the entirety of Pepperdine was just a mess defense overall. Don't get me wrong, but um, I, I, I remember that uh, UCLA game early, early in the season where he just got beat multiple times on the perimeter. And he had one highlight block that me and everybody else went back to where it was like, okay, see, he's got the tools when, when he's ready, when he's engaged, he can do it. But there were just as many times where he just got absolutely beat off the dribble and didn't look like he was all that engaged on defense. So to me, everything about Maxwell Lewis is he's got the tools. It was probably just a bad situation at Pepperdine, but he really has to prove it. Since this is a Sacramento Kings podcast, I, I felt obligated to have a whole segment uh, devoted to Chris Murray. If you ask any Kings fan, 
who they want in the draft. They're going to say Chris Murray. I feel like it uh, on my timeline anyways. <laughs> you and I, I have different timelines then. Oh, interesting. I'm not going to say how I feel. Uh, I just want to know, Bryant, why would you pick him? And, and why wouldn't you pick him? Um, I think he's a top 20 guy in this class. Like, I think it's really easy to both undersell and oversell him. And honestly, my timeline has just been a lot more Kings fans like underselling him. Um, it, he led a Big Ten team in points, rebounds, blocks, shot attempts, and three-pointers. And I think that Iowa was less talented than they were a year ago, and he still took him to the NCAA tournament in the best conference in college basketball. Like, 20 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, 2.2 stocks per game. Like, with just 1.5 turnovers per game, like, I know that his brother conditioned us to expect insane efficiencies and insane stat lines, but like those are impressive stats for a controlled player. And, you know, at six, nine, I think he's as versatile or more versatile than anybody that we've talked about in this Kings range. There are going to be players who are better shooters than he is. There are better player. There are players who are better defenders than he is. Uh, but in this range, like he's arguably got uh, the best combination of shooting, finishing at the rim, defending, rebounding, overall basketball instincts. Like um, it, that puts him in the conversation. Um, so he, his shooting numbers weren't spectacular. He needs to get better from deep, just 33.5% last year, but he shot 38.7% from three as a freshman when he was a role player. And I would bet, that that number jumps back up as soon as he is no longer the focal point of the defenses every single night. Um, he's not quite as fluid an athlete as some guys, but he's got good touch around the basket, uh, shot 66% at the rim this season. Uh, I think if you just base it off of what some Kings fans are talking about, it would be 20% lower than that. He needs to continue to improve his handle. He's pretty left hand and left drive dominant, but like, when you just look at his whole package, man, I've, I've made this point before. If his last name was not Murray, if he was who he is, but he wasn't related to our last rookie at all. I still think that he'd be a guy that we should be talking about in this Kings range. Right. And it was said on a, another episode, another one of our draft series episodes. If we just get 75%, if he's just 75% as good as Keegan, that's still great value. Yeah. At 24 to anybody yeah. to me. And, sorry, Joe. Go ahead. No, I was going to say my only fear with it is I feel like people will put expectations on him like he's Keegan, but he's not Keegan. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like yes. I don't even know if he can be himself. And I don't want to put words into um, their dad's mouth either when he was on another podcast with Deuce and Mo, but he was saying how as much as he'd love to see them together, he thinks that they will continue to grow more separately and then would like to see them come back together um, when they're more, you know, they have more years under their belt as pros. But um, my only word, just based on, you know, Twitter, like what we see on here and how people talk about him, that I just feel like there'd be unfair expectations for him because he's the twin of Keegan, that he's like the clone of Keegan. And as you said, like, he has a different style. Like he plays differently. And I know his dad was saying that the Kings interviewed him. He was the first interview at the combine. Right. And we, we know that 
uh, teams don't get to pick like who they get to interview. Like it's a, almost like a raffle, you could say. Um, but they happen to be his first one. And Wes's comment to him was, you've said more in this 20 minutes than I think I heard Keegan say, you know, the whole season, like that it, um, they're just different. And so my only, like, I would love to have him here, but my only worry would be of like people being maybe too harsh or too, you know, expecting him to be um, his brother and not himself. Yeah. And, and I think if the Kings drafted him, we just have to keep hammering that it's not fair to this young kid that all we talk about is the narrative of these two being brothers and we don't examine them as individual players. I totally agree with that. Um, at the end of the day, I, I don't, I, my gut tells me he's not lasting to 24. I, I would bet he, he gets same. He goes I agree. You, you have been calling who he worked out with today. <laughs> um, he's going to I the warriors. <laughs> he's going to the warriors we talked about him too much. The basketball gods love chaos. This is not going the way that we have all thought it would. <laughs> We're going to have to see him four times a year, and everybody is and everybody who doubted Chris Murray is going to be eating their words when he is the the ideal six man off the bench for that Dubs team. If Monty chooses to keep his second round picks, who do you have for us <laughs> going in the second round? Um, hey, Jill, do you want to take a guess at uh, what uh, 6'5 shooting guard from Santa Clara I might be talking about that we've been bantering around for months now? Mr. Pods. Yeah, Brandon uh, Pojemski, um, Santa Clara 6'5 uh, shooting guard. Uh, just a ridiculous shooter. Unbelievable touch when he's got time with the ball. I think you can carbon copy so much of what the Kings ran last year with Kevin Herter. All the DHO actions, screens, catch and shoot actions, like all of that will work for him. Um, I think his driving game is going to be less effective in the NBA. Uh, I think that's the difference between where I have him evaluated and where a lot of smart people on draft Twitter have him evaluated. Uh, I just, I don't. Watching a lot of Santa Clara games last year, he he took so much lead time to to create advantages on drives, and I don't think that's going to fly in the NBA. But the good news is that even if his role is just as a floor spacer, like he's a good, smart passer for his role, and he's as determined a rebounder as you'll see from a guard. Like the dude led the West Coast Conference in total rebounds and rebounds per game, and he was six five. Um, if 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 you can go find it, go watch the WCC semifinals against USF. He was great in that game, made some ridiculous shots, but I also think that it shows both his role at the next level as, you know, kind of a catch and shoot, deep shoot movement shooter. And also the things that I don't think he'll do much in the NBA in terms of, you know, the long drawn out probing drive sequences. Um, the end of the day, he's just a smart player who can shoot the hell out of the ball I'd love for him to still be there at 38. And how is he, he defensively really well too for like, he's kind of that. I'll say like for those guards that kind of like tweeners where you have like Josh Hart, you have um, even like a Bruce Brown or a um, Gabe Vincent, like that, you know, they can get you like four to five rebounds a game. Like it's they're smaller guys, but like they're pit bulls in there. They go in there. And that's yeah. um, how a lot of people describe pods like in his style and in his workouts that he's just a pit bull and he gets in there. Like he doesn't care that he, you know, 
this I mean, he's not small, but like, you know what I mean? When you're going against these bigger guys, like it doesn't matter. He's in there. So yeah. Um, like Bryant said, he's smart and he knows how to fit around the edges. Right. Yeah. Um, to answer your question daily defensively, I, I'm certainly concerned. Um, I think ideally as a bench player, um, it, it I, I don't think he's going to be a massive negative or anything, but like, he he's going to be at a size, strength, and quickness deficit from the get go. His efforts there, like Jill said, I think a, a, a pit bull mentality is something he really has. He fights on and off the ball. He averaged one point eight steals a game, but he he's not going to beat anybody with his physical tools. And um, there are some teams that can compensate for that. I don't know that Sacramento's one of them. I will say this before we move on to um, before we got on, there's someone on here uh, that's a Kings fan. He goes by NBA Cody 12. Um, and I happen to be tagged in this, but he said, here's a look at players that match college production. It was since 2008, right? To Kings first rounders, but he did the guidelines over 60% true shooting around 40% from three steals over two and 10 uh, box plus minus. So Keegan, fit six of this this criteria he did last year his other two Monty's other two draft picks are also on here and Tyrese and Davion Mitchell met five of the six the only player in this draft that met the same six that Keegan did was Brandon so just something interesting to think about that this piece that he broke out it had all of Monty's draft picks on there but Brandon is the only one that actually meets Keegan that fills all six where Tyrese and uh, Davion um, had five out of the six, but no other, no other players um, from those draft classes are on this. (laughs) So I'm going to have to find some eerie music for this segment. Seriously. I tweeted it out. So if you want to see it, it's interesting. Uh, Like Mikhail Burgess is on there and Lonzo ball and some other ones, but there's also, I mean, Jimmer's also on there, but he's not meeting all six, right? Like, cause again, he put all Kings draft picks, but um it's interesting to see. So yeah, you got me excited until you said the name Jimmer. Now, now I'm depressed. Well, he added all the Kings draft picks on there from 2018. Oh, I got you. I got you. Okay. It's like, how is there a statistical uh, composition that has Mikhail Bridges and Jimmer for dead on there? Yeah. Jimmer had four of them. Butler's on here. Lonzo. Um, Duarte, Cam Johnson, like you can see Derek White. There's a, a whole slew on there, but and you can see where they fit and where they don't. So it's worth a go look if you go on my page and you'll be able to see it. I, I was looking at your list that you sent last night and I was a little weirded out by the fact that you have a zag on there. What's going on here? Yeah, I'm sorry to remind you of your latest nightmare, but that, uh, Julian Strother has been one I've shared for two years now. Um, six, seven, six, nine wingspan. Um, 15.2 points, 6.2 rebounds a game, 47% from the field and 40.8% from deep. He's a fantastic shooter. He's going to be a dangerous movement, catch and shoot bomber. He's got good size and awareness. Um, he's not the most intimidating driver. And for that shot to really translate at the next level, he's got to improve his pull-up game, but like he's got a nasty floater when he gets into the paint. Uh, again, he's got, he's got good size, for his role, um, not a great NBA level athlete, but certainly enough to where uh, I think he could 
defend some guys given time. He's not consistent on that end of the court. But I'm not sure why being a mediocre defender is hurting his draft stock more than it has for some other uh, Gonzaga shooters in the past. Um, I think that he plays harder and tougher on defense than some of the other guys who got drafted from that school in the first round the last couple of years. Um, it hurts me to compliment the Zag. I, I, I think he's got to return first round value wherever he ends up. Any other names for the second round? Um. I, I do like Jordan Walsh um, as kind of a defensive first sleeper um, freshman from Arkansas, six, six in shoes, six, 10 wingspan. Um, he's absolutely a project player, but in second round, maybe that won't matter for the Kings. They certainly worked him out uh, as a power wing. He looks like he's got real defensive promise, quick, strong, long enough to guard up and down lineups uh, has the potential to be a versatile defensive role player needs to continue to improve as a shooter. I just shot 27.8% uh, from three last year. Um, doesn't sound like he really loved his role at Arkansas. I think he really wants to come in and show some team that he's got more than just defensive versatility, but he's got to prove it first. So uh, in the second round, hey, you can gamble on those kind of projects. Maybe he ends up as a real meaningful role player. So let's pick a draft hill to die on right now. Who are you totally high on that everybody else is low on as far as major publications are concerned? Or the opposite, who are you low on that most draft experts are high on? Uh, I mean, C.D. Sissoko would be my answer just because I thought that I was pretty much in the consensus with him as a you know a, a mid-20s, early-20s guy, and then uh, everybody pretty much dropped him into the thirties. And I'm just looking at this guy like, why is he not the type of guy you want to gamble a first round pick on? Um, higher in the first round. Uh, I'm pretty high on uh case Wallace from Kentucky. I bet that he's the next great Kentucky guard who excels once they leave Lexington. Um, his three and D upside is, is makes him an ideal fit on any team that already has uh, an offensive playmaker uh, focal point in place. Uh, although I do think he's an underrated playmaker. Um, I will have him in my top 10 and I see him most often is, you know, mid to late teens, uh, on big boards. So I think he'd be my answer. Um, I'm not really massively lower on anybody that I can think of. I guess I, I I'm a little bit more worried about jet Howard than some just because I, He's a great shooter, but I think his shot selection was pretty bad for Michigan this year. Uh, he got hunted so much on defense that it really worries me how NBA teams would ask him to guard at the next level. But it it also wouldn't surprise me if the Kings draft him at 24 because 6'8", a shooting uh, a shooter like that, it, it's just extreme value. I, just, I see guys who have him in the mid-teens, and I'm like, his defense scares me way too much for that. So that's probably why he's been lower on later mock drafts right now. Yeah. Yeah. For some guys, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Cause all year long it was, Hey, this guy's a lottery lock. And now it's in the twenties. He's, if he's the King's pick at 24, we can just say Bryant called it because he was the one that he named as he <laughs> being lower on. So by the time our listeners hear this, uh, it'll be two days away from the draft. How do you celebrate that, Brian? Are, are you, do you have like your sports cave set up? Is it a, is it a big occasion? Uh, what's going on there? Are you going to be working with Deuce and Mo or? Yeah. 
yeah, I'll be on with oh, you, nice. Simo. Um, I'll be uh, be eagerly awaiting. Um, honestly, I hope the Kings uh, make a trade before then. There's a certain uh, small forward in Toronto that I've been dreaming of since he was a, a rookie in 2018. But if that doesn't come to pass, I'll just I'll just keep stressing this. Don't overly think big boards this year. Don't overly think mock drafts when you're drafting in the 20s. The Kings could take somebody who we look at and they're like, this guy was 35th on 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 consensus mock boards. Why would they take him here? Just trust that the front office is doing their homework. This is such a talented draft. There are so many guys that the Kings could take at 24. This is not the Kings would have to work very, very hard to disappoint me on draft night. Absolutely. Yeah. Jill, any and, thoughts? And this, oh. this group seems to have a good grasp together of like what they need, what they're missing. I mean, we could tell based on last draft what they we know what they didn't get, but what they targeted right in at the trade deadline and between now. Like, so um, to me, yeah. It, especially at 24, like I know we all get excited about guys, but I've been stressing to like Brian just said, there's so many guys and don't let's, let's not knock a 24 pick before we even see them, you know, get out there with this group, like just be open. It's 24. We're not, we're not in the lottery anymore. Like there's, um, there's so many more possibilities when, when you're this far back. So just be open and, um, trust that that they know what they're doing, and we're yeah. you know and and the continuity that we're getting right that we have lacked for so long. Like we're getting everybody back, um, which is super exciting. So, in, in terms of coaching and front office and all that kind of stuff, so just hoping that um, people put trust in it. And honestly, for me, uh, all the prospects from twenty to thirty five to me are in almost the same tier. So. I'm not worried about it at all. I I very much agree with that. Um, the Kings could take C.D. Sissoko and Tariq Whitehead, and I'd be really happy. They could go way down my big board. Who's somebody? They could take Ben Shepard, and I'd be I'd see it. The, they could take your boy JJJ from UCLA, and I'd see it. Like this. Oh is, my time! Uh, I will be obnoxious if that happens. And even Amari, if they got Amari, I would be so happy. Seriously, yeah, I, I, Amari would be a, a great snag in the second round. He'd be great. This team could absolutely use a a, a guard with his skills. So, oh, I actually saw him uh, big boarded at at ten recently. Like whoa, left field. Uh, it was interesting. Um, so he's all over the place. Uh, but I'm glad he raised his stock. Uh, wow. At the combine. But that's yeah, also exactly. board too, which I love, where it's people just putting what they value, right? And these guys' skill sets not necessarily where they think a team's gonna draft, you know. Cause I mean, for years we've seen a lot of times where it's like the mid teams and up where you get more guys panning out there than you do at the beginning because those are home run swings and it's either gonna hit or it's for a lot of guys, it's either hit or it doesn't. Um, but as you get back, I feel like you have a lot of the guys that aren't necessarily great at something, but they're good of like a lot of little things or multiple things um, and end up lasting, you know, and falling good, um, healthy, healthy uh, situations with teams. Um, and this is another year, like with Keegan last year, where 
these guys coming in don't have to be saviors. Like they actually get to come in, develop and be, you know, true young rookies and, and thrive in a good situation. Selfishly. I, I want money to take a home run swing um, and not necessarily play it safe. You know, uh, like the Nas reads out there, they're not Nas reads at the start. You know what I mean? So why not get some amazing athletic, monster with all the tools you know what i mean yeah. james Najee, i'm looking at you and and a few other people um they're out there he was, he was mocked to the kings today and one of them i mean there his his measurables yesterday were ridiculous yeah uh i don't know if anybody saw that but yeah yeah no i saw that with the little video and, and yeah yeah and he's like he's not even going to be 19 until after the draft he's so young yeah, if now's the time that you don't take the swings, when would it be? That's what I just keep saying. I'm with it. Well, Bryant, this was amazing. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure we will be talking soon. Of course, guys. I appreciate you both. Thanks for having me on. All right, take care. Thank you as always. Ow.